The web's Michael Smith. It's episode 165 of Kane's Cast. And you know what? What's that? We got a first to celebrate. What a great night that was last night seeing Steven Lawrence score his first NHL goal. And of course, it held up as the game winning goal in the Carolina Hurricanes 3 2 4 2 victory over the Nashville Predators. Sorry, Sebastian Ajo for taking away your second goal of the game, empty netter, late to seal it. And the Hurricanes come back home with six out of a possible ten points on their five-game road trip. And we'll dive into that shortly after we crack open some storm brews. The way that I was going to dive into a storm brew last night after the game. Mm, tasty. Absolutely. Storm brew, the official sponsor here of Kane's Cast. Once again, the one-time number one hockey podcast in the country of Finland. Kitos. And also, they know that it is a light, refreshing lager, which is how many calories? 97. How many carbs? 2.4. It's going to play all around the world, and it will play in your refrigerator. And, of course, when the Carolina Hurricanes are home and everybody can come and enjoy it, you can enjoy Storm Brew as well. Brought to us by the great people at R&D Brewing, where they have many fantastic beverages for you to sample that you can get at your favorite grocery store. And if they don't have Storm Brew... Well, you can just ask them for it, and I'm sure that R&D will be happy to help provide. And when you're back at PNC Arena this season, if you're one of the lucky 15% capacity right now that'll be in attendance, you can still get Storm Brews for just $5. That is economical and tasty and a great way to welcome hockey and fans back into this arena. And yes, that was going to be the lead story, that fans are going to be back here in Raleigh, watching the Hurricanes play live, and that is a huge deal to get to. But, of course, a bigger deal is when somebody gets their first NHL goal. And we actually have a couple of first NHL goals Yeah, we do for the Carolina Hurricanes from this road trip that they were on. It starts with Jake Bean and then Stephen Lorenz last night in Nashville. Uh, we will talk to Stephen Lorenz, as uh, Michael has brought up here. But overall, uh, let's start with the, the road trip before we – Talk to the man who got his first NHL goal last night. Uh, and if you're listening to us here on Wednesday, that would have been on Tuesday night. Or That's uh, we'll just say on Tuesday night for whenever you listen to this fine podcast. But for this road trip and where the Hurricanes were, the Hurricanes for the first time this season had a losing streak. Three-game losing streak. Yep. Now, before people pull out their hair. That's already gone. Well, mine is, mine's getting there. The tide is going. You fool! <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to work that one in there. <laughs> Told you if you did, you're going to have to carry the podcast for a second, but I'm recovering. Um, the Canes dropped three in a row for the first time this year. It's their yep. first losing streak that they had this year. I mean, legitimately. And people who were, were you know going all angsty about it, they lost three in a row to the defending Stanley Cup champions who have found their game. That's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, by the way, if you haven't noticed, Andre Vasilevsky has been unbelievable. Three straight shutouts for the Tampa Bay netminder. And in the third loss in a row, former Carolina Hurricane Curtis McElhaney might have played the best game I've ever seen him play. He was fantastic against his former squad. And he actually denied Steven Lorenz his first NHL goal before he got his first NHL goal. So you put those together... I looked at those games, though, and Rod Brindamore has been saying this a lot. And, Michael, I don't know how you react when people hear things that are like coach speak, but I, I have a pretty good meter 
on Coach Speak Now versus This is the Truth. And when Rod Brindamore says the effort's there every night, it is. It's not like the Canes got outplayed badly by the Tampa Bay Lightning in any of their games. Yeah. In I, any of them. Uh, the, the first one on the road, I think, was probably probably the worst game we've seen the Hurricanes play this season. But in saying that, it that's still better than, you know, you look back a few seasons, yeah. that's still better than a lot of the games we've seen this team play. But that first game, and you're going to have this over the course of a season that is more than one or two games. Yeah. It's, Especially against a team like Tampa. Yeah, I, I equate it to opening up a, a beverage. Like a storm brew? No, because storm brews are never flat. Oh, yeah, yeah, But yeah. you open up one that's carbonated, and you wait for the, and nothing happens. And, and it was kind of one of those performances against Tampa. But, you know, the Canes had a chance, and then the door just kind of gets shut on them. So let's just fast forward past the two games in Tampa, because that, to me, the Lightning are playing like the best team in hockey right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, really the one takeaway, uh, I think, from from that segment um, is that when you really look at the scope of a, of a 56-game season, every game obviously means that much more. Every point means that much more. So when you do inevitably hit a slide, which every team is going to do, even the Tampa Bay Lightning are, are going to have it, the Carolina Hurricanes had it for three games against the Tampa Bay Lightning, probably the best team in the NHL. And the key... Uh, in a short season like this, when every game means that much more and every point means that much more, is to stop the slide before it snowballs into something bigger. And so for the Hurricanes, yeah, you you drop three games in a row to the Lightning, uh, but then you head farther south in Florida and face off against, uh, yeah, I think a pretty good team in the Panthers, and you find a way to get some victories. And, and that's really the whole, I think, takeaway from this is that the team didn't let it snowball into a, a bigger problem. Um, it could have easily, just because of the way those games had gone. The Hurricanes played generally well to, yeah. to get results, and they just didn't. But it didn't affect their overall game. Nope. And they were still able to find a way to get four points uh, in Sunrise uh, against the Panthers team that has kind of made a habit of of, uh, of coming back uh, in the third period and um, yeah, forcing extra time, sometimes even grabbing the the, the victory. So, um, so that's what I really like from the when you look at the whole scope of okay, yeah, you start the road trip with a couple of losses and you know, three losses overall, but then the team bounces back. And I think when you look at what the Hurricanes have done uh, really throughout the season, um, they've found ways to win. And when they've been down, they've found ways to battle back. And that's kind of the theme so far of this year for this team is just how resilient they are um, and how much uh, character they have on the bench and in the locker room to drive them to these victories. Uh, the, the battle back, uh, I think, was on full display in South Florida against the Panthers as the Canes put the brakes on that losing skid. And the first game in South Florida, you've got... Jake Bean getting his first NHL goal, but Vincent Trocek, an emotional return. He played seven seasons in Florida. They put a, a video up on the video board for the, the folks who were there at uh, BB&T Center in, in Sunrise, Florida. And you know, we had talked to Vincent Trocek before the game. Trip Tracy had a chance to talk to him. And, you know, how do you keep the emotions in check? He said he wasn't sure how he was going to. 
they play the tribute. He goes and scores the goal. That's yeah, a good way to do right that. After. And I will, too, say the the video tribute I thought was really well done by the Panthers because it not only had, you know, usually it's music and highlights yeah. and welcome back, but they actually had messages from former teammates, um, you know, talking about the, their friendship with, with Vincent yeah. Trocek and, and what he meant, means to them and what he meant to the organization. So you could tell that um, – he was a beloved member of, of, of that team. Uh, and so I think, it, you know, in, in, in watching him on the ice and then talking to him after, he said he kind of had to tune out the video um, because otherwise it, yeah. it might get him emotionally. He did watch it uh, later after the game, later on that night. But uh, in the moment, he kind of had to just uh, stay in tune to the game, stay focused yep. to the game. He gave the wave, uh, you know, as the crowd saluted him with the standing ovation, uh, and then of course, yeah, on the, the on the ensuing shift, he he scores a goal, and there's I I think that one of his team leading twelve goals this season, that one probably felt pretty good. Yeah, uh, the, I mean the one the next night probably felt even better. Well, and how about the first one he had against Florida here in this building? Even though the Canes lose in overtime in that game, Vincent Trocheck scores a goal late on the power play. Deflects it up high. Seems to be a theme. It's a theme that we have going here. So he'd already scored against his former team. Right. Now, I'm not saying that that makes life easier going to a building that you'd called home for seven years. And like you said, it's the first time he'd ever been in the visitor's locker room, or at least he can remember that. So he goes in there. But the Canes, they go up 2-0. Jake Bean gets his first NHL goal, and that was an outstanding goal on the power play as he takes a, a really good feed from Jesper Faust, looks up, notices that he can go and pick a corner on Sergei Bobrovsky, and does. Yeah. So he gets his first goal, but then Florida storms back in the third period. Like, it's like Florida just, if you've listened or paid attention to their season or their last few games, it's like they don't think to start scoring until the third period starts. The comeback cats. They are. They are really good at it right now. The game before that, they had scored three goals and three eleven, three eleven, maybe a, a band that actually we talked to Nigel Wheeler about. Yes, he was in a band called Egress that he he called a poor man's three eleven <laughs> cross between Red Hot Chili Peppers. Anyway, um, yeah, the the Panthers have kind of made it a habit of uh, digging themselves in a hole and then working out of it. Not a great long term strategy, uh, but. Yeah, they, they certainly made a game out of yeah. it in the third period. Well, they did because they stormed back, scored two. Then Warren Fogle scores a, a, a beauty uh, on a, an assist from Cedric Paquette that comes through. Then Hornquist scores late to tie it. Then we go to the overtime. The Canes, I think, dominated the overtime. Yeah, controlled the puck a lot. Um, basically held on to it for the full five minutes, which has kind of become the strategy now. Like, if you go back and watch the early three-on-three yep. -three overtimes and – 2012 I guess yeah. it was um I don't really think teams had figured it out it was it was a bunch of just two-on-ones two-on-ones breakaway breakaway yeah. now, come in shoot the puck goes off the glass goes the other way a lot of that right now it's a lot of regrouping um you know if a chance isn't there you you know you circle back into yeah. the neutral zone maybe you even pass back to your goaltender it's just a lot of hanging on to the puck and trying to wait for that right play yeah well the Canes didn't get it there but in the shootout they did and Vincent Trocek scores again. They beat Sergei Bobrovsky, uh, well, three times, all five hole, Dougie Hamilton, Vincent Trocek, and then Marty Natchez with an unbelievable move. Yeah, nice uh, little shoulder fake. Shoulder fake. He goes a little 
backhand forehand and then slips it or forehand backhand back to the forehand and then slips it five hole Silky for the winner. Smooth. And then James Reimer is the shootout whisperer. <laughs> he is he has been phenomenal in his career in the shootout. Does it again. So now the Canes have got to get a day off. They were fine, which by the way, we shouldn't gloss over between the Tampa series and the start of the Florida series. Rod Brindamore gave the Carolina Hurricanes a day off in Florida where some players went golfing, some players you're allowed to leave the hotel and, and walk, and there's spacing and uh, where you guys are staying. There's a beach so you can socially distance and do that. I think it was an absolutely genius move yeah. by the coaching staff to say, take a day off and don't think about, you know, we've lost three in a row or we played well but didn't get the result. Just go and be normal and, and you're on the road with the team yep. did that for the first time this year feel like the semblance of a normal road trip that that day off in in Fort Lauderdale yeah I mean that it's that was and Florida is kind of Florida's kind of wide open right now it's Florida a, Florida is the Florida, Florida of Florida Florida okay. is is very Florida right now um but it was nice um you know with with there are still obviously plenty of restrictions on the road, but you can leave the hotel to go on a walk. So um, the the hotel that the league uses in in Florida this year um, is in Fort Lauderdale. It's on the beach, so it was nice just to get out of the hotel, um, see something other than your room, and just go for a walk on the beach. Uh, as you mentioned, some guys went to play golf. That is uh, really one of the only approved team outings that you can do. Uh, right now is is golf um, so it's just nice to get away from the rink for a day and that's one of the things about this compressed schedule is that uh, you, you, there's not a lot of practice time um, and you kind of have to find the right balance of you know when is it good to practice versus when is it good just to sort of unplug for a day and that was that Friday in Fort Lauderdale was seen as an opportunity, even though the team had lost three straight, as an opportunity to just refresh, reset, and refocus. Uh, and the Hurricanes, you know, got back on the ice on Saturday morning for the morning skate. Uh, and that's a long day. You know, it, the drive from Fort Lauderdale to Sunrise is about 30 minutes. Yep. 30 minutes back that way. So you're spending a lot of time on a bus uh, on a game day. That's why the team didn't, uh, didn't morning skate on Monday. But um, but I think it was just it was good to to kind of step away and refresh the mind, refresh the body. You need breaks like that uh, in such a compressed schedule, and uh, I think it was the right call for uh, the Hurricanes and uh, coaching staff, obviously led by head coach Rod Brendamore, yep. to 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 opt to to not put the skates on on that day. And also, you know, when you consult with the Head strength and conditioning coach. This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room. We have talked to Bill Berniston several times here on Canes Cast, one of our favorite guests, one of our favorite people. But Bill has always said, when you talk about, when you think strength and conditioning coaches, it's just workout all the time and constant this and constant that, and we got to have that. I cannot tell you how many times uh, when I was in the reporter role, I would ask him a, a question like, you know, what do you do here? Or why would you? you know, not do something today. And his line is always rest is a weapon. Meaning if you've got to get sleep, you have to let your body recover and giving the guys a day 
day and a half plus to just recover, especially like what you just said, Michael. I thought you were getting a little spiritual there. I mean, you know, Load the, management. The physical. Oh, no. The mental, spiritual I mean, aspect there, of you there was as a, a player. There, there looked to be some beach yoga happening. Oh, which was uh, not with the team. There were just you know some people in for a lot of oh, doing right. beach okay. yoga. I thought you would be leading the pack on that one. No, I you know I walk by and observe. No, oh. well you should. That's what you do in your role as a reporter. Yeah, you observe. Yeah. All right. Now with observe that, observe and report. Thank you. As the Hurricanes uh, got back at it, they get the win as we have just chronicled in the shootout. Which yes, the Canes are shootout kings right now. Ten straight. Longest streak in the National Hockey League. Longest active streak right. in the National Hockey League going all the way back to 2018. 19. And, uh, was it 19? Yeah, March 2019. So That's when it began, at least. The last one they lost would have was been in, in 2018. Yeah, 2018. Yeah. It was December 2018, I think, was exactly. the, the last loss. So yep. uh, somewhere in that ballpark. That's what happens when you have a lot of skill and a guy like Vincent Trocek, who is 45% in his career. Well. He's three for four this year on the shootout, which yeah. is insane, insanity. But it's the other part that you said. There's more skill up front to score goals. Right. Just far more. And I said this the other day uh, on the uh, the radio. Oh. Yeah. I was on with. Back on the radio. Man. Yeah. Hey, why not? <laughs> Going back to your roots. Well, the mist is cleared, and I'm uh, allowed to see uh, things a little bit easier. But I was talking with a couple of local radio uh, talent. Oh, yes. It's uh, right. <laughs> Joe Obvious and Joe Gilio here. Uh, for those of you who don't live in the Raleigh area, you would not know. I used to work for that station a long time ago. But hey, as Joe, I, as I like to uh, as I like to say, I couldn't make it in the Mexican League, so here I am now. <laughs> That's from if people have ever seen the movie, and it's one of my uh, all time favorites, Major League, the Jake Taylor thing. Jake, what are you doing here? He was playing baseball in mexico so that's where the line clear the from. reference i have to clear it yeah today's day and age clear the references but i made a reference on that show because they were talking about jinxing things oh don't jinx it you're gonna jinx the shootout i don't believe in that stuff well, i don't here's the thing like you have to talk about things right well how and about this but i flipped it around and this is where if you like it you can take it if you don't send it right back i put it on the fans Stop putting it on the broadcasters. Because <laughs> the second the broadcasters point out something positive, all the fans think is something negative is going to happen. So that's where if you want to speak it or will it into existence, I don't like that phrase, by the way. Manifest it into existence. You're doing that by going, oh, they said something good, so now something bad has to happen. How about we said something good, so something good's going to continue to happen. I put it to You're you. Fool. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh no! My I went microphone's a, loose. No, I went a little, went a little, uh, little Khrushchev at the UN. There didn't bang the shoe; it was more the fist. And you got me laughing with the "you fool." Uh, to that point, though, I put it to you, Greg. All right, I'm back. My name's not Greg. It's uh, Greg Marmalard from Animal House. I'm just you saying. Fool! <laughs> are you calling me a fool? Or are you calling the fools who follow the fool fools? I don't know. Just want to play it, and I'm glad you did. So that's what I'm saying. Everybody who wants to blame the broadcasters, I'm throwing it on somebody else. Right back at you. Return of service. Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, it's always going to be a thing, right? Well, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Um, but, yes, the Hurricanes have won 10, 10 in a row and uh, uh, 10 shootouts in a row. And the next time there's a shootout, 
probably have to bring it up that they've won 10 in a row. The streak's going to end at some point. It has to. I won't bring it up. Until they win their 11th. No, because I don't I don't go out of my way to win the shootout. Because once you come back from from break, like the shootout's underway. Yeah, there's no time. It's a, it's straight into the first shooter. So, I mean, I can at some point reference it. And maybe I will reference it if the Canes are up one nothing in the shootout. And it comes down to Alex Nedeljkovic or... James Reimer or Peter Morazic makes the save to continue the Kane streak. And then if they make the save, did I speak it into existence because I talked about it? I don't know. I don't know either. It's just one of these it's one of these things uh that is is foolish. And don't get me wrong, I have some superstitions and I have things that you know that that happen uh with sporting events that you know I I I know it's silly, but I, I take part of but somebody or a broadcaster informing you that there's a no-hitter or there's a shutout or this is going on. Or this guy hasn't missed a field goal longer than 40 yards and 20 tries. They always do. Yeah, they always that. do. But, again, the law of averages. That's law of averages. That's not somebody being a jinx. Are you wading into math territory? No. <laughs> no, I would not do that. Because if you did that, sir. I know. You fool! And I stay far away from that. <laughs> That's uh, all I'm saying. Yeah, well, the Hurricanes got the shootout win. And, yes, they did. And that was what was most important. You get the two points, uh, and then you come back uh, on Monday night. And, again, the Hurricanes were able to establish a lead. And, uh, again, the Panthers the storm back. The comeback cats uh, made it a game uh, in the third period. Actually took the lead in the third period. Yeah, and uh, but but again, the Hurricanes were able to. Uh, it's that resiliency and that character to. I'm going to try to avoid the phrase here. Say it. No, just say it. The, <laughs> the willingness to. Oh, fine. Dig in. Just say it. You can't avoid it. He's picked a phrase. Trip Tracy is who the web's Michael Smith is talking about right now. He's picked a phrase that everybody inevitably is going to say a lot of times over the course of a season. It's especially genius. especially in the sports world. Well done. Hi. Just wanted to well throw done, a palate cleanser in there for you. Um and then yeah, and then again, skill takes over in overtime when uh, Sebastian Ajo dishes over to Martin Nietzsche and yep. uh, Pretty as a pretty goal. Yes, as a pretty but goal. Let's not step over the goaltending performance of Alex Nedeljkovic, in particular the third period, where he makes twenty-one saves on twenty-three shots. And there were some, there was some shots that was just you know flinging vulcanized rubber on the the Canes netminder. But then there were some great A's, and the, the Panthers were getting to it. Alex Nedeljkovic was outstanding in that game. He makes 40. 44 saves. Yeah, exactly. Career high for him. Uh, he faced a lot in the third period. Uh, the Panthers basically tossed uh, everything they had at him. That's, by the way, one of the Panthers' philosophy, though. If you take a look, as, as we can, let's just take a slide over to the Central Division. Why is Florida so good? They've adopted this policy of we're going to put everything on net. They're leading the league in shots on goal. It's good policy. Uh, about 34 shots on goal a game. Actually, it's 34 exactly. Pucks on net. And 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 this kind of, you know, uh, bleeds into the Nashville game as well. 
when you're a team that's down in the going into the third period, you know that team is going to come and push back. Yes. You know that pushback is coming because, as Rod Brindamore said on Tuesday night, the other team gets paid a lot of money, too. Yes. And they're going to try to win the game. Uh, and, it, you know, if, if you're leading, the mindset is probably, okay, let's park the bus and try to get out of here with the two points. Obviously, you know, you would like to see the Hurricanes um, still be aggressive and, and yep. still take the attack to the opposition. But the other team's getting paid a lot of money to do the same thing. And um, that's what you saw Florida do a couple of times. That's what you saw Nashville at least try to do on Tuesday night. Um, but the important part in all three of those games is that the Hurricanes got six of six points. Can I give the appreciation for Rod Brindamore, though, on that comment? Always. I absolutely love that comment from a head coach, which, by the way, why is Rod Brindamore the head coach that he is? Why has he been the guy who has really turned around the culture and where this franchise is with how this team is playing and what's going on, how I can point and singularly go, it starts here, and then it has funneled down, not trickled down. It is funneled down to the players and how they play because he's honest. And, folks, it would be wonderful if your team wins every game six to nothing because you play a perfect first, a perfect second, a perfect third, and you just beat the other team. And what happens is I'm a fan of this team. I only care about what this team does, not the other team. Well, the other team is loaded with professionals and good players. And in today's day and age, across the world in sports, but most notably in the NHL, the gap between the haves and have-nots is not as big as you want it to be in your mind. And so I, I get bothered when I hear people say, oh, they're playing this team tonight. Should be a win. No, they get paid to play. The other team gets paid to play. They have pride. They are going to push. They are going to get to their game. The question is, you don't let them stay with their game for a long time. Who can get to it first? Who can establish their game first and break the other team's will to win? And that's what the Canes did in Nashville on Tuesday night. Got to their game first, had a turnover. Marty Natchez picks the pocket of Roman Yossi and sets up Sebastian Ajo. Yeah. Four on four, unbelievable Returning pass across. The favor. Exactly. Ajo buries it. And then you get another goal from Vincent Trocek on the power play. He just keeps scoring. And then Steven Lorenz in the second period. The Canes went after it and got another goal. They're up 3 nothing after 40 minutes. And you know at some point in time, now this is when Michael was talking about the push, one of two things happens. Either the team that's down... 2-3-0 heading into the third period will, I don't want to say send up the white flag, but it's the... Fold up the chairs. But it's the, all right, well, we got another game Pack tomorrow in. Or, or in a day. Yeah. Or it's the, we're getting paid gobs of money. We don't want to have an awful practice tomorrow. We right. better we better find our game and get to it. And now 99% of the time you get the, we're going to find our game, you're going to get the push. Also, the Canes were playing, what, their eighth game in 12 days? It was a lot. It was something like that. Six and eight. I don't know. It was, so it was a lot. You, you can run on adrenaline, and sometimes, you know, you, you run a little bit out of steam when the other team really gets that surge on you. And remember, Nashville was waiting for this this Canes team right. to go play. Not an excuse. Using this as a fact. Just setting up, uh, yeah, providing uh, 
Context. Context, exactly. The Canes found a way to hang on and win the game. And after the game, when Rod Brindamore said, we played two excellent periods of hockey, and the other team gets paid a lot of money to play too. That's honesty. It's the truth. That's how games are played. Uh, When people, I I get this a a lot now. Some people are like, oh, it should be an easy win tonight. I'm like, nothing's easy in this league. Nothing. And for the Canes to... I don't care if they win six nothing, like I said, with three perfect periods, or you know they they have to hang on or find a way to yeah. to dig in and get a win. Yeah, and obviously, in saying that, you would love to see the Hurricanes come out and have a better third period. Sure, that was the one you know not so great part of the game, but this is a results based business, just like basically every business is. But it it wasn't like they stopped playing. You know, it, it wasn't like the effort stopped. It was just Nashville got a push, then they got a goal. And sometimes all that one team needs is that spark yeah. and something catches for them. And that's what happened Especially in the Especially a, a team like Nashville that had won four or five and was kind of feeling it. Um, yeah, they, they made it a game, but the Hurricanes were able to hang on. James Reimer made the saves that he needed to make when he needed to make them. Yep. Sebastian Ajo gets a second of the game, empty net or late. That's the ball game. And, of course, Stephen Lorenz. His first goal in the National Hockey League turns out to be the game winner. You couldn't have written a better script. And I don't know if you could have had a better interview. We talked with him. All right, we're joined here on Canescast by NHL goal scorer, Stephen Lorenz. Stephen, how are you doing today? I imagine you have to be feeling pretty good after last night. I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, I'm still uh, still trying to get around to some of the messages uh, that people I mean, it's so nice to see all the support from from friends and family and people who I haven't heard from in so long. So um, being able to get that kind of monkey off my back, it took a little while there. I had some chances, uh, but uh, the guys were awesome. They just told me to stick with it and that it was going to happen eventually. So um, I'm obviously over the moon that I was able to get it. Uh, and, um, it ended up being the game winner, so that's just the cherry on top. But uh, like you said, I'm just, I'm just uh, on cloud nine right now. Um, I couldn't have pictured it uh, any other way, and uh, right now I'm so happy. I was gonna, I was gonna say, uh, it, you know, it's not yet been 24 hours since you scored, so I imagine you have spent uh, a while when you're not sleeping, of course, uh, going through all the messages that you've received. What's uh, ha- have any maybe stood out? Any messages from your family that uh, y- y- you know mean a little extra to you today? I mean, the ones from mom and dad, obviously they, they, they are different just because they were the ones that have been there every single step of the way. And, and obviously cousins and uh, people like that, but it's interesting. It's the people who, um, you don't forget about, but it's the people who sometimes you lose touch with over the years, you know, minor hockey coaches and and ex teammates and stuff like that who have helped you along the way, but sometimes I'm so it's it's nice that I can reminisce and reflect on some of these old memories that, that people have with me and, and they've shared those with me and you know, they're telling me it was only yesterday that they remember, you know, this game or or, or this memory back in this year, um, way back when. So it's it's cool that um I have all these people showing their support and, and reaching out and, you know, watching this games and still following me along in my career to this day. So it just makes me feel so uh, so blessed to have such a such an awesome supporting cast. Stephen, you, you mentioned the the monkeys off of your back that you get the goal, but 
how much more comfortable were you to, to last night as opposed to your first game in the NHL? Does it just feel like hockey, or did you kind of carry that, oh, I got to get one, I got to get one before it really feels like I've arrived? It's it's weird because, I mean, the first couple games, obviously I wasn't really expected to to put up all these big numbers and stuff, but I just wanted to go out and play my game. But um, I think the natural competitiveness in me uh, as an athlete, as a, as a you know, a forward and somebody who – um, has the ability to score goals. I, I think o- over time it just kind of eats away. You, and, you know, five, six, seven, eight games go by and you don't have a goal. And it's just like, um, I understand it is the NHL. It's a whole different animal. But that uh, that inner fire is just like, okay, come on. It's got to be coming eventually. And then, uh, yeah, I was fortunate it came in, in my 12th game. But over the chan- over the games, I was getting some chances. And um, my line mates and I, we have been generating some um, some good pushes and stuff in the offensive zone these past few games. So again, they, you know, Marty was just telling me to stick with it and then it was going to come. And I think he was one that told me even before my first game that he has uh, a history, you know, even with geeks um, of being in on those first NHL goals. So I, I kind of knew he was going to be a part of it and he did too. And, um, he, you know, he obviously was. So again, it was, uh, I, I was happy with the way the game went. We did, we did give up a little bit of a, a late lapse and, and they were able to capitalize a couple of times, but Ryan's held his own and he was able to, to shut the door and um, we walked out of there with a win. So um, first NHL goal and a win at the same time, that's just, uh, it's, it's very special and that's a night I'll never forget. Also, you need to add first game winning goal in your NHL career. And and I'm, you, yeah. you, you've led me to like three things off of that comment, which is one, uh, James, James Reimer set it up. Like you didn't have to worry. He set it up. So you would get the game winning no. goal. So you knew oh, when he, he let in the two, he was doing. closing the door, right? He absolutely knew what he was doing. He told me that afterwards. He said, that's just the kind of guy he is. He's just such a great guy. You know, I used to watch Reimer when I was, when I was a little guy, when he played for the Leafs. So I looked up to him and I think he was just doing me a favor. So um, it, it was all planned out. It was a script uh, that he wanted to write for me. So, Again, that's just the kind of guy he is. He's just such a great leader, right? And Jordan Martinook, as uh, he is one to tell us that he does have a hand in helping guys get their first NHL goal. Uh, what's he does. It, what's it, I, we've we've seen it. The track record's there, but what's it like for him to be on your wing? To have a guy who plays with that energy, that enthusiasm. You have it too, but you look over at him. You know how much he loves the game and, and what he's going to do to bring out the best yeah. in his teammates. Well, I see a lot of, of myself in him, and that's why I kind of I, I aspire to be a, a guy like that. He just brings so much positivity uh, and energy, just like you said, to the rink every day. And um, he's a great leader. He's respected in the locker room, and the guys, you know, they really look up to to him and what he brings. So, um, again, watching him, you know, before I made the jump to the NHL, I knew that was a kind of a guy that I was going to have to model my game after if I wanted to make it in this league. And I think we've clicked well on, on that fourth line and with Seti too, just being able to go and create that energy. And there are times in the game where, you know, we will sit for a few minutes and, and let uh, you know, the first few lines go out and, and try and work their magic and score some goals. But if there's ever a time where um, Roddy knows he needs, he needs a shift where someone needs to create a little bit of energy and he throws us out there, um, us three guys are fairly confident that we can go out and, and provide that um, and I think we've done a good job of that the past five or six games. And, and again, like I said, we, we've gotten more and more comfortable playing and we're just going to get to know each other's tendencies more and more um, with this, you know, comfortability playing together. So um, I'm excited to keep going. And um, like I said, I think uh, once we all start clicking and once we start playing, you know, more consistent 
for 60 minutes, night in and night out, then I think we're going to be a dangerous team. And, and come playoff time, if if we can be peaking right around then, that's where you want to be, you know, at your best, right when you're going into playoffs. And, and uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. So looking back at your goal, um, it was kind of just, uh, you, you know, you mentioned your, your line with, with Jordan Martinook and, and Cedric Paquette and uh, the way you guys uh, work off each other and kind of just grind the other teams down. It, it, it was kind of the product of that, right? I mean, a, uh, a nice play by, by Marty to, to swing the puck over and, uh, and you just kind of barrel your way towards the net and find the puck. What kind of goes through your mind or what was going through your mind uh, when you saw the puck in the slot there uh, and then you see it touch the back of the net? What goes through your mind in that instance? <laughs> well, um, first, like you said, first of all, we, I think we made a good play breaking out of the D zone. And once we did get it down there, we, we kind of, you know, I think their D made a mistake on the wall. I think he fell down or something and the puck just started going to the net. Once I saw the puck sitting there, I, I've actually scored a few goals like that in my career where I, I kind of come out of like an off angle and I just kind of turn and fire it. And I know Rene is such a big goalie. So I knew that if he was going to drop down and tight, he was just going to try and get as big as possible. I knew I had to, either get it, you know, right along the ice at five hole or go over his shoulder. And I was fortunate that, you know, as soon as I turned and fired it and saw the net move, I think I just blacked out and just turned around and got really excited. So um, I'm watching the celebration now. I was like, yeah, that's, that's about right. I think that's, that's pretty much describes what I was feeling. So it's pretty cool to watch. And I think one of the coolest parts is also knowing, you know, how – all the guys reacted as well and hearing from so many people that, you know, the guys were just as excited as I was and I was getting all the, the boys were coming over and giving me um, pats and letting me know that, uh, you know, congratulating me and letting me know that they were excited for me too. It, it's just such a special feeling and it shows um, how tight knit this group is. And it, it's just so special that, you know, they, they've kind of embraced uh, a guy like myself and, and they've, you know, they, they, they realized what, what I've overcome to get here and, um, they treat me like, you know, obviously a teammate and uh, it's just no greater feeling than being part of a team and a team that's having success. So, um, I, like I said, I just hope this we can keep doing this moving forward because it's uh, it's a special time to be a Carolina Hurricanes player and fan. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a great goal. I thought it was a, a great celebration, very worthy of a, a hard-earned goal. Uh, what are your plans uh, for the puck? Um. After I got a picture with the puck, I'm not sure I got a few pictures. I think uh, the first one, actually, I, I had to get a retake because the, the guys came into the locker room after and Troach decided to jump in. And yeah. I was more than happy with that. He, he jumped in and we got that picture, but they said they needed uh, one of just me. So um, once I took a picture with the puck, I, I gave it back to Mike Sunheim. And I'm, I think uh, they do uh, something nicer than I'm pretty sure they, they put it on a picture frame and, and they include a picture of something nice and the score sheet or something like that. I'm not too sure. Um, I've seen a few from guys in the past, but uh, again, um, obviously I'm not uh, expecting anything crazy out of it, but um, knowing that they might do something nice for me is just, uh, it's just special. And um, regardless whether it's on a plaque or if it's just a puck, it's something that, you know, I'm going to be able to to hang in my room or or on a wall someday and and be able to look at that and reminisce about uh, when I scored my first NHL goal. Well, Vincent did mention on Twitter that there is a better picture out there than the one of just you with the puck. So will that yeah. one ever? Will that ever see the light of day? Maybe that's, get that in a frame that's, somewhere. That's a good question. I'm not too <laughs> sure. I wouldn't mind having a picture with uh, 
with a guy who's having as good of a season as Troach. So that's a picture that I might uh, I might need him to sign, and, and I'd hang that one up right beside the puck too. So, um, no, Troach, is, Troach has been awesome. He's been such a good leader and a guy I've looked up to. Um, he's such a good guy in the locker room, not just to me, but to every single guy on the team. So it's so nice to see a guy like that coming in here and having success. And, um, you know, he, he plays the game hard. He plays the game honest, and that's a guy who – um, I can watch him night in and night out, and, and take away positives from his game, and, and try and uh, try and take some things away, uh, and try and implement them in my own. Stephen, you mentioned your journey to get here, and for people who don't know, you, your first year of of being draft eligible, you go through the draft, you don't hear your name. The second year, you're a seventh round pick for the Carolina Hurricanes. You go to the ECHL, you put in your time there, you work your way up to the AHL roster. Now you're in the NHL. What is that for people out there when when you hear? Maybe you don't get the the map, you know, the way it goes exactly the way you want it to. What do you have to say for folks like that when you get to this moment of how you got here? What was the biggest thing that kept you pushing forward where maybe some guys would have said, you know what, it's it's too hard. It's it's gonna be too tough of a road for me to get to where I wanna go. Um I mean you write your own story. Um one way or another. Um whatever decisions you choose to make, you you know, um, I mean, today I could be sitting here, um, with a degree in, in finance or something like that at the school if I just never chose to try and pursue hockey. But I was always a, a believer and, and I always knew that, you know, my ultimate goal is to win a Stanley Cup and play in the NHL. And there was never really a time, you know, being a late round pick or, or going on drafts in my first year where I was like, oh, this is it. Like, there's no way I'll make it. I, I always just kind of believed in myself and, and I knew that if I just got one opportunity, um, whether if I got one or 10, it, all I needed was one. And I just needed to, to go out there and prove myself. And I've always been able to prove myself. And I, I, I take pride in, in knowing that, you know, if you put me in a situation, I'm going to try and do that to the best of my abilities. And if you put me one-on-one with, with somebody else who's who's in the same situation, um, the competitiveness in me just knows that, you know, I'm going to beat that person. I don't care who it is that, uh, that's just, you know, that's my matchup. And it, and it just means beating one person or being a few people, it's just getting better every single day and, and being able to overcome obstacles. So that's just kind of, you know, it, as long as you keep that dream in the back of your head alive and you don't give up on it and you just, you know, get better every day, then um, hard work does pay off. And people will take notice and, and people will give you opportunities. And, um, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm proof of that. And I, I couldn't be couldn't be happier than where I'm at today but again I'm not satisfied um I'm not one that's just going to sit back and relish in the fact that I have accomplished you know more than more than some people um would have expected but uh again I'm, I'm not done um I'm going to keep pushing it until uh you know I get that Stanley Cup because that's the ultimate goal so um yeah that's pretty much all I had to say about that uh it's been a long journey, but it's been worth it every step of the way. I think taking the long road, you meet a lot of people along the way, and then you start to realize and look back to, to all the people that helped you get to you know this point right now. And I'm at a high point right now in my career, and, and now I can look back and, and recognize the people who have reached out to me and all those people who have helped me get to where I am. And I'm just so so blessed and so fortunate to have met so many great people along the way. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch uh, from where we are. What, um, you know, your first twelve games in the National Hockey League. Uh, what has it been like playing for Rod Brendamore as a head coach? Um, it's I, I can't say enough good things about him. Just because I think my game fits 
the way he coaches well. And I, and I'm unfortunate in that sense that, you know, he has given me an opportunity to be able to come in here and succeed. And, um, he's a man of few words. He doesn't really, uh, he doesn't really yell or scream or, or pull you aside and have a sit down conversation with you. He keeps it short and simple. And, and he knows that, uh, that we know what we have to do in order to be successful. And I think before my first NHL game, he, he pulled me aside and he only said a few words. He just said, look, I'm not going to say much. Um, this is your moment. Go out and, and do what you do best and do what got you here. All you got to do is work hard. You're going to make mistakes. That's, that's going to happen. Just go work hard and have fun. Enjoy it. And I've just been trying to do that every single game. Um, Honestly, feels like I've been here longer than than twelve games. It's just uh, I'm so. Um, I think I just feel like every day it's it's not a trial, but every day I just got to go in there and prove myself that yeah I can be an NHLer, a, a regular NHLer in the lineup and, um, and contribute night in night out one day. And I just trying to earn Roddy's trust with each passing game. So um, whether I play seven minutes or fifteen minutes, I'm just going to go out and, and do my job to the best of my ability. And um, Roddy's a guy that'll play you if you're going. So. Um, he doesn't have to tell you that uh, that you're having a good game, but if he if he keeps putting you on the ice, then you know you're doing something right. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I can say about that. How much is players though, and through the systems you've come through, do you guys appreciate that? And I say, guys, the whole room, Stephen, just to get your read on that, where you know that Rod Brindamore doesn't have to give you the pat on the back and tell you you're playing well. If you're playing well, you get your minutes, and if not. You understand that that you've got to you've got to improve. He doesn't have to yell or scream at you to get more out of you. He knows how to talk to you yeah. guys without having to to really talk to you guys. Yeah, that's just part about knowing your players, and he does so well. He doesn't, uh, you know, that, that's that's part of being a professional. He doesn't have to sit here and and come in and yell at us like we're uh, like we're you know minor hockey players or junior hockey players still learning. He knows that we know and we know what it takes. There's guys in our team who have gone. You know, all the way, we got a guy with, uh, you know, Stanley Cup, and he knows, guys knows what, their guys know what it takes to win here. So, um, he, he, he comes in and he provides that spark, and he knows that, um, as long as he's ready to go, and, um, sorry, one sec, this is, I gotta move that little, little quieter spot. I'm not on the balcony right now. Oh, no worries. <laughs> oh, you're fine. <laughs> no, as I was saying, um, he just knows that, that us guys know what we uh, need to do to win every night. So he doesn't need to come in there yelling and screaming and, and try to light a fire underneath us. Um, he's just got to say his speech, and, and he knows that'll get us going. And then uh, as professionals, it's our job to go out there at, uh, at puck drop and, and be ready to play. So, um, again, if you're going, he's going to play you, and he knows he can read those situations. He's been in them as a player and as a coach before. So, um, yeah, the guys respect Roddy so much in that locker room. So, uh, it's, it's nice knowing that you know that even the, the older guys and the veteran guys are are willing to go to war for him night in and night out, and, and uh, throughout the lineup, every single guy just wants to to go out there and win, and uh, Roddy does too, and the whole coaching staff. Well, the very courteous Stephen Lorenz is with us as he's actually moved off of the balcony to get to a better spot <laughs> for our for our podcast. So we yeah, appreciate sorry about that. that. <laughs> oh, I mean, it got a little noisy. Somebody <laughs> fired a car up right in front of me, so I couldn't I, I couldn't really hear. I kind of lost my train of thought too. So I had to re, I had to regroup there for a minute. One more before we let you go here uh, is it's been a long road trip and. Uh, as the season's gone on, um, the team has uh, started to play uh, games in arenas with fans, and, and Thursday night marks uh, the first game here in Raleigh uh, that there will be a significant number of fans here, 15% uh, capacity at PNC Arena. 
how excited are you to 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 come home and play in front of the fans here? And how much energy do you think uh, that's going to provide the team after such a long road trip? I don't know who's more excited, the players or the fans, because <laughs> I know the fans have been just absolutely itching to get back, and you see all the love and support for the team on Twitter. It's so nice, and um, obviously the the fans bring an element to to the game that uh, that is just. You know, it's an intangible that that can't be tracked in a stat sheet. And um, I mean, as as, as much as, as good of a job as the NHL did putting the bubble on and stuff like that, with the fan noise and all that stuff, there's just no no other feeling than being in a, a tight game with you know a few minutes left on the clock, and, and you can just feel the buzz of the crowd and the energy in the building. So um, it's going to be nice to slowly start having that back. And even if it is only 15% full, you're going to be able to tell that you know the 15%. Uh, capacity all the fans that are that are there are, are going to be absolutely thrilled and, and full of life just to be at uh, at the hockey game again so uh personally i can't wait it's uh i mean i played a, a preseason game in carolina i don't think it was it was too packed but uh, eventually i can't wait to play in front of a, a pnc arena that's just absolutely jumping because um I, i've actually had a friend who's, who's played in the building for new jersey before and i came down here last year when i was with charlotte um, it was two years ago when uh, when they clinched the playoffs um, against New Jersey, and yeah. it came on the jumbotron afterwards. And I'll never forget how much you know energy was in the room when they found out they they were going to the playoffs. And obviously, they went on a run that year that uh, that they went further than a, than most people thought. But um, as soon as I you know I felt that crowd as a fan, I was just like, man, I can't wait to be a part of this one day. So hopefully, we can get back to that sooner than later. But um, baby steps. We'll start with uh, the the 15% capacity on Thursday, and uh, I'm excited to play in front of some fans again. Well, you're a part of it now. Congratulations on the first of many. Thank you for giving us all a moment, which is what makes sports so incredible, Stephen. And uh, just keep up the good work, and we'll be talking to you for a long, long time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for carving out some time for us here today. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate uh, you guys having me on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, I love talking with Steven Lorenz. He's so he's such a good kid. He's so humble. He he works so hard. He doesn't take anything for granted. Um and it's just it's so it, it's I will not get tired of of talking with him and I won't get tired of watching him play in the National Hockey League because it's just it's so much fun to see someone like that succeed. He gets it. Yeah. Period. Uh, the the answer he gave about this is the road I was gonna I was gonna believe in it I could have got ten opportunities I needed one he got the one he's made the most of it those are the stories that are outstanding in sports Michael those are the ones I love in sports and can I can I share a a story about Stephen Lorenz as a a rookie showing up for camp sure so uh, back in the the normal times when we had access to everybody and you could go face-to-face. Back in the old days. Kane's had a rookie camp. And uh, being part of Kane's vision, you know, in the, the summertime, I could you know, sit down and we were going to do interviews with you know, some of the prospects and the kids who were there. And so we set it up, and Lorenz was one of the players who we get an interview with. And, you know, a lot of the guys, like the the first, second-round picks, they, they give you good answers, but you can tell they've been doing the media junket for a while and – it's there, and you, you get a lot of the, the cliche that comes out. 
and and that's great and that's fine and you know they go through it or for some guys it's their first like interview like this in this setting and there's cameras and you kind of get the you know some of the stock answers that are there and you're like that's yeah, fine. A bit trepidatious. Stephen Lorenz sat down, looked right at me. He's like, "So I'm talking to you, okay? So what are we gonna do? Oh, this is great. You do this." And he's talking to uh, the folks for Kane's Vision. Uh, Christine Williams, who's, who works for uh, Kane's Vision, Zach McCluzek, who used to. Uh, we're all setting up, setting this up, and he is he is soaking in the whole process. Yeah. And then the interview starts. And it's kind of, you know, I hate to go cookie cutter, but you, you kind of want to, you know, how'd you get here? And what do you think? What do you think of this? There are some questions that you go down. It's not on a sheet in, in my mind, but okay, I'm going to go from A to B to C. And on answer A, I went, oh, I don't have to go to B. I can go here. We can go there. And the answers he gave as a, a rookie walking into this building were amazing. And after the interview, I, I told him, don't ever change. Just be this guy. And it'll it'll serve you well. And he's like, it's all I know how to be. Yeah. And uh, it has served him well. And these are the stories when you talk about you pull for somebody or you cheer for somebody. It is easy to cheer for Stephen Lorenz. Yeah, it's so easy to root for him. Um, he, you know, like Rob Brindamore said on Tuesday night, he could have had his first NHL goal games before. I mean, yeah, you know, one that pops out is Curtis McElhaney's toe save. Yeah. On Steven Lorenz, you know, that could have easily been his first. You felt it coming, uh, and for him to get it in the way he got it on Tuesday night in Nashville, and then, of course, for it to be the game-winning goal, um, just so as it happened, or as if you talk to James Reimer, uh, as the game plan was, let in a couple of goals, let Lorenz's goal be the game-winner. Hey, uh, it's what a, what a great night. What a way to cap uh, a road trip for the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, and now they get to come home and play five games in front yeah. of some fans at PNC Arena. It's only 15% capacity. It's about 2,900 people, but that's... It's going to feel it's, a lot louder than that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, a semblance of normalcy. We've, we've been in a couple of buildings this year that have had fans, and it feels weird, but not as weird as a totally empty building with you know, artificial crowd noise. It feels more like the hockey you're used to feeling. And and really, if you go back to the um, to the two games in Florida, when Florida was making that comeback in the third period um, in that first game, it got loud in yeah. the building. And the fans were rallying behind the team. And the team, I think, too, rallies behind the fans. So it's you miss that dynamic when there are no fans in the building. You miss that that interplay between the the crowd and and the team and it's going to be fun to to get that back even even if it's with just a fraction of uh what you'd normally have in this building yeah i i can't wait for it it's I really can't um and and if you're coming to games make sure you do read up on all the new safety guidelines yes. um, because obviously it's going to be a different experience than you're used to uh, there's a survey you got to fill out um all sorts of stuff hurricanes.com slash fan safety uh, to learn all about that. Um, but we do hope to see everybody back in the building soon. Yep. Um, and when you say everybody, everybody, everybody. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully those capacity limits can increase as time moves on. Well, Steven Lorenz just talked about it. Yeah, exactly. There is, you get a charge out of playing in front of your, your home fans. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk to a few of those fans Ooh. now. Oh, by the way, I, I noticed I threw out an early one of these, if we could. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. 
So you're fatigued from being on the road. Clearly, you don't have one, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, we got in like 12 hours ago, and I am just uh, so tired. So. All right. Okay. Let's just go to the. Uh, I would have, if, if I was in control of Gilbert Gottfried's comment, I would say this. You'd make something like this. You fool! Just to you. That's fair. Okay. All right, let's uh, let's go to our voicemail line. If you have a, a question or a comment or uh, one of these. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Which you will commandeer for me or for the show. You can send it to us, 919-500-7819. Let's be honest. It's for you. Yeah, it's, it's for me. Half of the show normally has one. 919-500-7819. 919-500-7819. Hey, Mike and Mike. This is Stuart from Seattle again. And I was wondering, um, this is a like it, take it, by the way. I was wondering if for a late-round draft pick at the deadline, the Canes could trade for Eric Stahl, who's playing for the Sabres, since the Sabres, if they're still playing as bad as they are right now, might probably want to dump salary. And to have Eric back on the team would just be amazing, even if there's not really a part for him. Anyway, have a good day, guys. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Stuart, from Seattle. Well, if the if that deal happens, one, there's always a, a place for a guy like Eric Stahl. You'll, you'll find a place for him, and I'm sure that he would be uh, at least interested. He has a, a no-movement clause. Uh, it's funny he got traded to, to Buffalo, but there was a list of, of teams where he couldn't be traded to. And Buffalo wasn't on it. That's how he ended up there. Uh, it wouldn't be a salary dump for the Sabres because Stahl is making, what, $3.2 million, somewhere yeah, around there? Three point three and a quarter. Yeah. And he is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So it's not like you know Buffalo is trying to, to move salary. But you could see the Sabres moving a guy like Eric Stahl to get an asset in return for him. Uh, the question is, when you say late-round pick, if I'm Kevin Adams, I'm not going to deal him for a sixth or a seventh. I'm, I'm not. I would want something better than that. But if the the Sabres are, you know, in the spin that they're in right now and it doesn't come out of it, at some point you've got to look at certain assets like, well, is he going to be here next year? All right, let me get what I can for him. And you don't think that he wouldn't want to line up next to his brother, say, in the Canes playoff push? Yeah. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure he would be stoked to come back, you know, for a playoff run here. Um, kind of what he and his brother envisioned when, yep. when the Hurricanes traded for, for Jordan Stahl. Uh, so, you know, if I'm GM, I'd be all for it. But I'm not GM. I'm just uh, the web guy. So. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just uh, the TV guy. But so. it, it is interesting because I do, I do wonder what, uh, what Buffalo would be after uh, for a piece like Eric Stahl and the Hurricanes. If you look at the way their front office works, they're – Big on asset management yes. and taking a rental player at the deadline, which theoretically is what that would be since he is an unrestricted free agent after the season, not really in the team's playbook. Also, I think the number would fit, but you also have to consider cap space too. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is an, uh, a consideration. Um, but hey, you, you'd find a way to make that fit if you could make that happen. Right, that's the thing. If you can improve your team... And Don Waddell and the Hurricanes front office are looking at ways to improve the team every single day. That's their job. Yep. Uh, then you have to consider everything. And, you know, from a storyline standpoint and from, a, you know, just having 
worked with him before, I would love to have him back. But Absolutely. Who knows? We'll see. You can never have too much talent. You can't. You, you really can't. You know, yeah, even if he doesn't fit down the middle, he's played wing before. Yeah. And he would, I think he'd look good on his brother's wing. Anyway. Hey, Mike and Michael. It's Martha from Dallas. And I am calling after the Wednesday night game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Hate to see the 3-0 loss, but I was just wondering, does the empty net goal go towards a goals against average for the goalie? Um, just wondering, looking for a little clarification. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Thank you. Well, thanks for your call, Martha. The answer is no, it does not. That's correct. Um, and that's why you'll see goals against averages that are, you know, if a goalie gives up, say, three goals in a game, but the final score is four to well, or whatever, or he came off the ice for a delayed penalty or whatever, yeah. and maybe he hasn't played a full sixty minutes. That goals against will be, uh, it won't be a perfect yeah. three. goals. Goals against is an average. No math. Not doing math because I know what happens. I know what happens when I do math. Somebody out there wants to say this. You fool! And taking the bait. <laughs> But no, it does not go against the goaltender's goals against average on an empty net goal. Yeah, it goes um, into the team's goals against column. The team, yes. There is a team goals against, but it is not the personal goals against for the goaltender. And then shootouts are a whole different ballgame. We won't even get into that. We'll just go straight to the next call. Thank you. Hey, guys. This is Heath from Wilmington. I have a question for you. After watching the Tampa series, it seems like we hear a lot about the Hurricanes uh, getting to their game and being able to win when they do. And it seems like Brendan Moore has been pretty happy with the way his team has played lately, but they just haven't been able to get the result. And after watching the Tampa series, I've, I have a lot of the same feelings that actually came from the past two playoff series against Boston. It just seems like elite teams like that are able to play their game while at the same time taking away the other team's game. Uh, for example, both Tampa and Boston always made quick passes to get out of, get out of their zone, so the Hurricanes just couldn't get on the forecheck. So my question is, for the Hurricanes to become an elite team, do they need to find a way to play their game while at the same time taking away the other team's game or making more adjustments to do that? What do you guys think? Look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. Good Good call there from Heath. Heath from Wilmington. That's just to go to the the early part of the call. That's what it's all about. It's it's who gets to their game and who kind of forces the the way the game will be played. Uh, I think we talked about this before, uh, where it's it's kind of like a a prize fight, where you know just because somebody lands a haymaker doesn't mean they won the round. It's if you are saying no, we're going to play at this pace, we're going to play at this style. Uh, we're going to play, you know, either an extremely structured game where it's going to be hard to get through the neutral zone. Uh, so almost everybody plays the same way now. That's one of the the odd things about the NHL. Like the the systems, there's tweaks to them. You know, the Canes want to play fast. Florida wants to play fast. Uh, up in the North Division, nobody wants to play defense, which is fine. Uh, entertaining hockey. But it, it's it's the style that suits how your team plays. And some styles while everybody's trying to do the same thing, have little tweaks or they can execute them a little bit better the way they want to, like Tampa with their defense or like Boston 
how they've been really strong down the middle over these past few years in their transition game. Canes are, are trying to do the same thing. So, yeah, it's, it's, it basically comes down to that. But when you talk about, like, tweaks or, or changes, it's nothing major. It, it's not like you have to overhaul what you're trying to do. Uh, literally, it's you're trying to find the one thing that you can expose or exploit for, you know, let's say Tampa does. You know, if they send their, their D, their defenseman, actively into the zone, can you take advantage of that into the offensive zone? Can you take advantage of that, go over the top of them, create those chances that way? But it's a really good call. Yeah, and I, you know, in regards to the discussion about being an elite team, I do think it's, uh, I want to say it might be time to have the conversation about the Hurricanes being an elite team because you look at, you know, their record uh, through the start of the season, 15-6-1, they're second in the Central Division, only to the defending Stanley Cup champions from a year ago. Um, I know there's there's probably another step to be taken in the playoffs, you know, trying to overcome a team like the Boston Bruins yeah. or a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, which, you know, the Hurricanes are likely going to have to go through this year uh, to advance to that, that round of Final Four. So that's probably what it takes, I guess, for them to, to fully take that next step into being an elite team. But when you look at the way they've played this year and the results they've gotten, the talent they have, the coaching they have, it's it's not a question anymore of if the Hurricanes are going to make a playoff run. Yep. It's a question of how high in the standings are they going to finish. It's They're going to make the playoffs. It's just a matter of if they're the one seed or the two seed. Yep. That That's where the conversation is now, which which I think yeah, I think elevates the Hurricanes to that elite team status. Yeah, if you're going to do a, a rankings right now of 1 through 31, you're putting maybe four teams in front of the Hurricanes right now? Five? Yeah, I, I would put them top five. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tampa. And Tampa. it's not just because of the recent result, but that clearly does help. Colorado, Vegas. I, I think we keep talking about this when we talk about how this league is is formed. And then St. Louis? Huh? Boston. I don't know if we mentioned Boston. No, we didn't mention Boston. I feel like you have to mention Boston. I, I do. I keep, you know, they're, they're that team that I look at. They do have the Canes number. But you know what I love about sports, for an aside, before we get to a, another uh, listener question? I love when there is that team that's coming up, and they've got to get over the team that's been there. Right. That, to me, is what is fascinating and great about sports. This is the team that's stopping us from being the team we want to be. How do we beat them? How do we get better than them? Yep. And then when you get over that team, everything changes. Uh, we go back to last year. Not many of us want to. No. But remember when everything shut down, the documentary about the run of the Chicago Bulls. Mm. Last dance. The last dance. Yep. For Chicago, they had to get past Detroit. Right. And they got past Detroit, and then they became the Bulls. In the National Hockey League, the Edmonton Oilers were this young, up-and-coming team in the early 1980s. They had to get over the New York Islanders. You know, the Islanders had won four in a row. They had to get over the Islanders. Lost to them, and then the, that loss, the Oilers all said to a man, we learned how to win because we lost, didn't like the feeling, and saw what they did to win. Right. And so now the Canes, if you go back, and we keep going back to that Boston series. Yep. Two years ago in the Eastern Conference Finals, Kane's just out of gas. Yeah. By the time they get there, injuries, whatnot, mounts up to that point. 
Yeah, it was, it was a good run, and you could feel that it was just it was going to come to an end. And that, but that Boston team, you didn't want it to go four straight. Yeah, you know, get get a win or two. Right. Last year in the bubble, and I know that it's the first round, but the Canes won a playoff series. Yeah. I know they call it the qualifying round. Fine, oh, but they sweep the Rangers. That series against the Bruins, yes, it's four to one. Mm-hmm. So you look at it and you say, "Oh well, Boston was just that much better." Uh, no, I won't go that won't go that route. I will just go the route of the Canes easily could have won that series or made it go longer, and then they walked out of that series way different feeling than the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I agree. So I agree, and it's um, you know, I think their performance through. Uh, we're almost at the halfway mark of the season. We're getting there. Um, is worthy of of elite team status, and um, you know, you you keep hearing the team talk about we've got to get better, we've got to get more consistent. Yet they're still fifteen six and one. You know, they're st- they're still uh, second in the division. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think they've, you know, I think they've come out and um, established themselves as a, a serious contender this season. Uh, and in my eyes, they're one of those, yeah, they're in the realm of, of elite teams in the National Hockey League. Now, of course, you could say, let, let prove it during playoff time. Um, but uh, I think they're proving it here so far, almost through the halfway mark of the regular season. Absolutely. Got so another one? Yeah, let's get to one more uh, call here before we before we wrap up episode 165. Hey there, Mike and Mike. It's uh, Paul calling here again from England. And believe it or not, it's another sunny day. So that's two we've had this year. So we've got one left at some point over the next eight months. Um, so I've got a uh, an observation. Um, obviously, we, we're going to have three goalies um, and three competitive good goalies now who will be unrestricted free agents come the end of this season. Uh, I think... Ned, in his small sample size that he's had since taking that uh, that position since uh, Morazic went down, has proven to to those that knew he was ready for an NHL shot that he is indeed ready, and he's proved the doubters that said he's only a AHL goalie at best um, wrong in in his small sample size. Um, obviously, we've got a more than capable um, goalie in James Reimer, and again when. Peter comes back from his uh, injury. We've got we've got a third goalie there. Um, so I've got to take it, leave it for you. Um, so come the come next season, we will see at least two of the current um, Hurricanes goalies. That's Morazic, Reimer, and Nedeljkovic. We will see at least two of those under contract in Carolina. Um, I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm going to think that we will we will push the boat out on at least two of those, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Um, I have been trying to listen as much as I can to get you to number one in the uh, UK hockey podcast. Not quite working yet, but I will I will keep trying, I promise. All right, thanks for the great show. Um, bye for now. Thank you. So much great in that call. So much good stuff from First, Paul. I'm stealing push the boat out on that one. Push the boat's good. Uh, they've had two sunny days, so they've only got one left. One left. Use them wisely. Hey, I don't make the weather in the UK. Yeah. Uh, they they just bring it on themselves. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then, hey, Paul, you know, you're doing your part to you get want, us up the charts. You want to inform them of the, the great news? Well, you know, here's the thing. Right now, currently in Great Britain, uh, Canescast is the 97th 
ranked hockey podcast. Hey, we're in the top 100 on the Apple podcast charts. But hey, look, uh, a month ago, February 1, 204th. So I'd say that Paul has done his share. So, Paul, you're doing great work. Keep it up. And and we'll hold up we'll, our end of the bargain. Too. We'll have a, a pint of Storm Brew with you one day. Delicious. The official sponsor of this podcast, Storm Brew from R&D Beverage. To get to your question, Paul. R&D Brewing, I would say. Uh, your observation and your uh, and your question. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll take it. I'll take that the Hurricanes will have two of Peter Morazic, James Reimer, Alex Nedeljkovic under contract. Morazic and Reimer are unrestricted free agents. Nedeljkovic is a restricted free agent. I'll take it. Um, obviously, you know, there's going to be some, some, some numbers to figure out there, uh, between the three of them. Uh, and it's an interesting position to be in, not to have a goaltender under contract heading yeah. into next season, but, uh, I'll take it and say two of those will be back. All right. I'm going to push the boat out on one. Ooh. Okay. I want it. I want to take this. Yeah. But as of right now, I'm, I'm going to send it back. I think one of the three will be under contract for the Carolina Hurricanes. That's I think that you, is a no brainer. I think that's a, a given. One of them is going to be under I contract. I think you have to bring one back if you just start from scratch. Yeah, hey, that's yeah. So I, at least one. So one of them will be back. Uh, after that, though, this is where agents get involved. How do they play down the stretch? How do they play in the playoffs? Who looks at the numbers game? Who's looking over the fence to to get a contract someplace else? And if, if Peter Morazic comes back and plays the way that he did at the start of the season, two shutouts in three games, by the way, uh, if he plays that well and is outstanding in the playoffs, does he all of a sudden put a bigger price tag on his name and puts his toes in free agency? James Reimer just keeps winning. And does he go to a situation where he's like, well, I don't know if I'm really content in a, you know, a split role where I'll be, you know, the 1B or, or maybe not the guy because maybe he'll get the chance to be the guy somewhere. Uh, even though we saw a lot of goaltending available this offseason, Michael and I brought this up several times. The Canes were confident with the goaltending tandem that they had in this structure because it's gotten them to the playoffs for two straight years. Well, other franchises are going to notice that. And if these guys have been a part of it, somebody might offer a, a sweeter deal that's out there. So, that's why I'm hesitant to say I'll take it because there's a lot of moving parts with this. Yeah. I think, I think that I'm about, if you ask me a percentage, would I take it or send it back? I'm literally 50, 50 on that, that like it, keep it. All right. It's because I can definitely see not all three are going to be back. One of them is going to be gone. Yeah. So I can definitely see two of the three back next year. But, like I said, there's a lot of other factors that go into it other than just, well, the Kings are going to try to sign two of the three guys. Yep. That's it. That's it. All right. And that's it for this? That's it for this. I think it's a good way to end this one. I think it's time to slide right on out of here, because if not, then we might be both. You fool! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> thank you. Make it plural. I'll, I'll add that on there. Uh, also, thank you to everyone who is listening to uh, the Canes cast Amplifying Black Voices. We truly appreciate that. Uh, from the latest one that we had just put out with Nigel Wheeler, uh, the first episode that we put out with Larry Perkins. We appreciate you. Please take the time to listen because uh, you're going to hear some stories that might make you you feel a little uncomfortable in 2021, and they should. Yeah. Um, but 
We hope that you take the time to listen to the stories. We've got more coming up. Yep, Matt Moorfield, uh, who is one of the ice technicians here at PNC Arena. We uh, chatted with him a few months ago, but that episode you'll hear on Monday. Yep. Uh, and then uh, we'll have a few more coming your way to to sort of round out the series, the initial run of the series. Uh, but we do hope uh, to keep it uh, moving forward into the future. Um, it's been well-received, yeah. uh, thanks to everybody who has listened. Uh, hopefully it promotes... Uh, critical thinking and conversation and, and eventually down the line progress. That's, that's really the hope. Um, but it starts with conversations and um, that's what we're, that's what we're trying to put out uh, into the world with this series. And uh, it's a good place for us to end this episode. 165 of the Canes cast, plenty of firsts, plenty of calls, and we always appreciate it. So for the webs, Michael Smith and TV's Mike Maniscalco. We will talk to you next week. Moi moi. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this <laughs> podcast.